You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on this season of Bachelor in Paradise and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 360. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Got a good show for you today. We are talking to my good friend, Dave Neal, Bachelor YouTube recapper, the host of the Driving with Dave car series on his YouTube channel, also Bachelor Rush Hour podcast. You know him, you love him. We're going to have him on the podcast today. we got a lot to talk about, and we'll get to all that momentarily. So as I previewed on the Daily Roundup, there's a lot of talk in this podcast in regards to Clayton and the situation that he's dealing with, what he said last Friday on his Instagram story, what his person who is accusing him of, uh, you know, the, the woman in... The woman in question here immediately saying that he was lying, saying that, no, it's not true, and no, I'm still uh, pregnant with his twins, and, you know, there's there's a lot going on here. Dave and I discuss a lot of it because this woman has been in contact with me and Dave, um, and I just ignore it because it's, you know, it's just inane chatter to me, and... There's there there are so many behind the scenes things here that me going over it audibly in a podcast. Uh, there's a lot of visuals here that people need to see to get the full scope of what is actually happening and what has happened for the last few months and what Clayton has been dealing with and what he's been under. But there have been so many things that have been said that just haven't been true and things that can be questioned because of past things that have happened, things things that are that can be questioned based on what is being said right now, because there are a lot of things from the second this story came out and the sun posted it about a month ago. I just it, there was something off about it and I just never believed it. It never made any sense to me. I spoke with Clayton that drove the point home even more than it didn't make any sense to me. And I've heard this woman's side and I've heard Clayton's side and you know, I believe Clayton. This doesn't mean I don't believe women, which I think a lot of people are going to take it that way. But if my track record speaks for itself, I have given women on my podcast plenty, plenty to tell their story. Way more so than men, I believe. And that's not just opinion. That's fact. Run down my podcasts. I mean, the amount of podcasts I can tell you where I gave the woman the forum to explain their side, whether it was verbal abuse, whether it was physical abuse, anything like that, my track record speaks for itself. My whole thing with this case is everything is a case-by-case basis. There will be times where I'll hear a story where a woman comes forward and be like, I don't believe that. And there will be times where I'm like, I absolutely believe that. This is one of these situations where from the get-go, it just never made any sense. Things were not adding up. And they still don't add up to me. I don't care what I've been emailed. So, and like I said, that we, we get into a lot of that. We get into uh, Dave's, you know, rise in the YouTube world. We get into the fact that he got banned from Reddit, which is kind of funny. Um, you know, uh, you know, giving my thoughts there. And I, you know, I know that they will immediately be running and, you know, 
you know, taking down their notes and scribbling furiously with their crayons today to, uh, you know, run back and what reality Steve said about them. And it's just like, really? I mean, can you, can you think of anything better to do today? I mean, think about all the days where I don't talk about you, which is pretty much 98% of the time. But on something like this, where Dave was banned, and I didn't even really understand why he was banned or what he even did, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But, you know, we kind of get into that. And, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, this whole story. We also talk about the stories that he's been covering recently on his YouTube channel and some of the feedback that he has gotten uh, recently that he likes to kind of call out. And this goes for him. It goes mostly for him, but it goes for him and me because we both are content creators and people are coming to us seemingly because they like what we have to offer free content. Dave does have a, Dave does have a Patreon account that he charges people to get bonus content. And it's just funny to hear people complain about a Patreon account. It's like, why? <laughs> You're not obligated to buy anything. You're not obligated to purchase anything. What do you care? If you don't want his if you don't want to pay for Dave Neal's info behind a paywall, then don't. Bitching about it isn't going to change anything. And it just makes you sound bitter and petty because he clearly has an audience that likes what he has to offer. And if he wants to put something behind a paywall, he absolutely can. And the complaints are just, he did a whole video on it two days ago or yesterday. It was, <laughs> it was hilarious. I, I can't believe some of the things these people say. And, you know, Dave is a guy that I've gotten to know in the last couple of years. And he's a guy that I probably send more voice memos to than anyone in my life right now. And I like the guy because he's logical. He's reasonable. He's objective. And it's not so black and white with him. Just like it's kind of why Bachelor Nation is tough to deal with. I've said this numerous times. Everything in Bachelor Nation world is so black and white. It's got to be this or it's got to be this. There's no, you can't have any sort of nuanced conversation with very many people in Bachelor Nation because they're so set in their ways of, oh, I'm not supposed to like this person. So anything they do, I don't like. And the Clayton story is a 1000% example of that. And we, and I talk about it, I talk about why that is the case uh, in today's podcast. You'll hear us break it down. And I think it's, Honestly, I think it's genius on my part of how I break this down of how I can prove to you that why this the fickleness of this fan base really hurts certain stories in within Bachelor Nation that come out and why playing favorites really hurts a lot of people. And we talk about all that, plus a lot more, his videos, F-Boy Island starting, what he thinks of the Golden Bachelor, stuff like that. So it's a really good talk today with Dave Neal. I hope you uh, stick around and listen to that. I'm assuming you are since you tuned into the beginning of this podcast. Don't forget, this podcast is brought to you by Green Chef. Green Chef makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat more balanced meals, Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences. Feel your best this fall with seasonal recipes featuring certified organic fruits and vegetables, organic cage-free eggs, and sustainably sourced seafood. Green Chef. Eat 
clean the easy way with recipes that help manage your weight and support your wellness goals without skimping on flavor. To me, it's one of the things that when I tried it out, I didn't know how these food services were going to work, honestly. I was like, okay, they're sending me the food, but is it going to still taste good because it's coming in a box and I know it's prepackaged and everything? Is it still going to taste good? It tastes better than I ever thought it would. I mean, some of these dishes, I've told you numerous times about my crispy southern chicken. It's my favorite. comes with mashed potatoes, greens, beans, and a tomato. It is under 30 minutes to make. It is really, really easy to make. 850 calories, serves two. It is one of the best meals they have. you got to check it out. So go to greenchef.com slash 60realitysteve and use code 60realitysteve to get 60% off plus free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash 60realitysteve. Use code 60realitysteve to get 60% off plus free shipping. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. All right, let's get going. Podcast number 360. All right, let's bring him in. Uh, This man needs no introduction, but I'll give him one anyway. Uh, He's put James Corden to shame with his new Driving with Dave series on YouTube. He also has the Bachelor Rush Hour podcast, and he's become my hero uh, for getting banned from Reddit. (laughs) It's Dave Neal. Dave, what's up? Oh, you're pimping for Dave over here. (laughs) Yeah, I know. How about that? Um, Before we get into anything, I I want to talk about your recent trip that you had, of course, off the dime of your followers. Uh, you went to the Maldives with uh, with um, with your wife Tasha. Explain exactly that trip because as I'm following it on your Instagram story, I'm like, I think as much as I'm sure you loved actually being in the Maldives and being there and having that bungalow, just the absolute jaunt getting there and coming back might turn me off to going to a place like that. It just seems like golly, I got to go here and then I got to go here and the flight is 15 hours or whatever it is. Can you explain this trip and and how it was like getting there and coming back? Oh, yeah, it was a rough one. And, um, you know, it would have been better served if we like tacked on another week, like in Istanbul or somewhere. But you're essentially going to south of India. So it's a 16 hour flight and a five hour flight, which we've done before to go to Thailand and other places. But the Maldives, it really is like a once in a lifetime destination because it's essentially a series of volcano rims that have all sunk in over time. So each kind of like atoll of islands are all in a circular fashion. And there's like a dozen atolls. And like an atoll is like their way of calling it a state. And then within the atoll, there's dozens of islands. So once you get to the Maldives, you then need to take a private plane or boat to all these little islands to get to your island. So it is so it is so far out there, but crystal clear water. It's got all the bungalows on the docks over the water. It's a real big like honeymoon spot. So it's kind of like a once in a lifetime uh, vacation. Did you have um, I didn't see you might have I, I watched the videos, but I wasn't paying, you know, pinpoint attention in your bungalow. Did you have a slide that slid into the ocean? Do you have one of those or no? No, no, no slide. Oh, not damn. A, I'm not famous enough for that. Maybe you would get that. But um, we oh, okay. did have uh, an infinity pool and then steps into the water. And we went snorkeling one day by ourselves, which they, they say not to do. And we stumbled upon what I believe to be a bull shark. But Blake Moynes told me it was a, um, a, a nurse shark. But, uh, you know, we're, we stumbled upon 10 foot sharks swimming by us. I was like, <laughs> where am I? <laughs> 
Well, you know what, Dave? You have to thank all your followers because they paid for it and then complain about um, that. You know, you, you did this video yesterday, or was it today? Was today the video where you went off on your fo- uh, the certain followers that called you out for, hey, you're pimping your Patreon and you're talking about we're paying for your Tesla, you're paying for your vacations. And here, here's my issue with the thing, um, with those people. It's like, if you have a favorite author, and that author is a multimillionaire because they have, I don't know, numerous New York Times bestsellers. And are you yelling at them because they took a vacation or they bought a car? No. You realize you purchasing their book because I assume you enjoy their writings is directly helping their income. What you're doing is offering free content on YouTube. And then on the side of that, if people enjoy your content like they would enjoy someone's writings... They have the option to then donate slash purchase on your Patreon. Like, time is money, people. Dave needs to eat, uh, you know, at swanky five-star restaurants. No. So go donate to the Patreon. My wife has a very expensive diet. No, look, most people, like 99.9%, are so, uh, like, obsessed with seeing the growth. They love to see the success stories. It really is just that tiny percentage of people where it's a reflection of kind of where they are in life. Like nobody cared the 10 years I made content for free and had a minimum wage job. But like the day I buy a Tesla, which isn't even a luxury vehicle, um, uh, people, yeah, some people start to judge me. You've changed. It's like, yeah, I can now afford a nicer car, (laughs) you know, like it's, it's, but, but like I said in that video, uh, it's like I ha- it's like I own a donut shop. I have a five dollar donut, and then I have free donuts. You can always come in for the free donuts. You just gotta watch a thirty second advertisement, and then you get your free donuts. No one's forcing anybody to buy the five dollar donuts. Um, it's totally like it just goes to show the the feeling of scarcity that exists out there. Like my making YouTube videos, and this is what kind of annoys me when people on Reddit or other places say you're just stealing other people's content. It's like, well, I am a commentator. I just share my opinion based on what's out there. Anybody else can do that. In fact, I teach people how to create their own YouTube channel and podcast. Anybody can do that. It's not going to take any food off of my table for someone else to try to do what I do and vice versa. It's just, it's totally this scarcity idea that there isn't enough to go around. Well, the other thing is when you look at it from the outside, it's like, okay, you're you're stealing content. What content are you actually stealing? You did a video of Gabby Windy on Nick Vial's podcast. Great. Anybody can do that. Like, like you said, anybody can do this. It's the only way you would be stealing content is if you literally, your opinion was basically plagiarized from somebody's opinion that was somewhere else. And you were literally reading it word for word. Because if somebody on, I don't know, Reddit has an opinion on Gabby being on Nick Vial's podcast, Couldn't you say, well, you're stealing what I did, you know? It doesn't make any sense that you're stealing content when it's stuff that we can all view ourselves and give an opinion on. And Yeah, it's it's essentially it's just called like the fair use and you're allowed to fair use talk about things. It it'd be like if you're a progressive person watching a presidential debate, you probably don't want to listen to what Fox News has to say about it. You might want to hear a progressive guy comment back and forth. So I think my audience enjoys uh, you know, that whole saying, don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. When Gabby Windy was on Nick Vial's podcast saying, I don't think it was a good idea the way Clayton responded after finding out he's not the father. My response to that is, are you kidding me? This guy was a victim, allegedly, to this giant hoax. Yeah. And 
And so when I watch those things, I pause and interject. And I think with my audience, the people that enjoy what I do, it's because they enjoy having someone speak for them in a way that's not just whatever narrative is out there. And, you know, going back to what you said about the the paid content that you provide on Patreon, you know, again, it's like if you don't want to pay for the content, here's the amazing thing. You don't have to. No one's forcing you to. I just I don't understand the mentality of people getting upset that you or anybody else in Bachelor Nation or anybody else in the world starts a Patreon account. If that's the way they choose to make some extra money, that's their choice. No one is forcing you to purchase it. So and when I look at it, when I see people getting mad at influencers or content creators, my guess is 99% of them are in jobs or careers that they don't like because they see the easy money that influencers are making and they just wish they could have that, but they can't or don't aspire to. So they just happen to shit on them because, you know, we see people like, Oh, just these influencers want to go on the bachelor and get famous or whatever. It's just like, if someone gave you the opportunity and said, Hey, if you go on the bachelor, you're going to come off with, I don't know, we're just, you know, the, we know the Instagram numbers are dwindling, but you're going to come off with six figures and in Instagram followers, and you can now do brand deals, and you can leave your desk job from eight to five that you hate. Would you do it? All of them yeah, would. All of absolutely. them would. That's the thing. That's It's amazing that it just seems to, people that seem to be complaining about this stuff are people that must hate their jobs. It's, yeah, it's the law of attraction. And I'm, you know, like you, you sold betting. I've worked minimum wage jobs. We've been there. Yeah. So it's not like we, we are entitled to this platform that we have. We built it ourselves. So we come at it from a different place than maybe some alumni who had the platform given to them. But when you look at, like, I'm a big proponent of people just knowing what their value is. The book, The Law of Divine Compensation. So if Becca Martinez wants to charge on her Patreon, which is only $3, for her birth story, nobody, and people go, Oh, she's just selling her birth story. Damn right she is. Why shouldn't she be compensated? Uh, Michelle Young charges $18 for what she's going to be offering, like teaching courses. Why should she give away her knowledge for free? If you give something away for free, you then kind of become the consumer. Like, like if, like, you know, Facebook, it doesn't cost you any money to subscribe, to join, but then they're going to sell your content. It's economics. There's no such thing as a free lunch. So for me, um, revenue dipped this year, like the, the percentage that advertisers pay on YouTube for me has dipped about 30%. And I wasn't complaining, but someone was like, Oh, you're electronic begging. It's like, no, I'm just doing a call to action that if people want to support my channel, they can in other ways. I literally took seven seconds of a 31 minute long video to explain that. And it, and it just hits people the wrong way. And that just says more about them. But most people I've learned do appreciate the growth. And they are like, oh, Dave, they're pr they're proud and they're happy to be a part of a following that's growing. And 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 I I appreciate that when I see it. Yeah, because like you, for those that don't know, you were doing videos for the longest time. I don't know how many years. Uh, you can tell the audience how many years it was where you were just doing this and not making one cent. And that just shows that you have been able to build your audience, which is not easy to do. You didn't come off the show and have a built-in audience of, oh, I saw Dave on The Bachelorette. I really like that guy. What does he have to offer? Let me go follow him on Instagram. You, you came from nothing to build this. And, you know, I found you in 2020 when you were literally the only person that, I don't want to say came to my defense, but you actually looked at the Demi situation objectively versus immediately jumping down my throat and jumping on podcasts and ripping me to holy hell without even having spoken to me about the whole situation. So 
that's what I appreciated about you. But back then, I don't think that you were in 2020 when when that all went down. Or uh, when was that? 2020 or 2021? No, 2020. Uh, or no, 2021 is when it happened. When did you start making money on your YouTube? I started making money, like serious money, when yeah. the Colton Underwood story hit. Um, before that, the first year of the pandemic, I was still throwing a lot of shit at the wall. And I was basically on YouTube for five years before I made any money. You know, wor working my minimum wage jobs, taking acting gigs and stand up at night. And like during my lunch break at my minimum wage job where I worked for tips, I would be, you know, in a Starbucks working on my screenplay. Like, you know, you know the people that want to hate, they don't care about that. But yeah, I started making uh, on YouTube. Once something starts to work, YouTube will continue to promote that. So once I realized that the bachelor stories were what happens between the episodes, that's when it took off. And that was in the fall of 2020. And then it was that like right after Christmas, I think Dale and Claire broke up and I covered that and that took off. And I said, I said, I think I'm going to go full time and just make content every day. And then as soon as I went to every day, people expected that. And that's why you get content from me in the Maldives, because I won't give people a chance to um, to not have content if they want to come find it. Yeah, I wanted to um, now transition to the Clayton story. And um, in particular, what you covered today on your um, YouTube channel, which is Wednesday. We're going to this is going to air on Thursday. And it was the reaction that Clayton had on Friday when he took to his Instagram story and said he got his paternity test results back and it said little to no DNA, um, fetal DNA present in uh, the woman accusing him. And, you know, there was some criticism uh, from people. I got criticism uh, from people that were just, you know, messaging me saying, oh, my God, ooh, cringy. He needs to be more mature and act more mature about, you know, not being the father. And, you know, you kind of briefly hit on it. But for me, this is the fickleness of this fan base. And I want everyone to pay attention to this. And I'm sure you're going to agree here. But let's just say that this exact same scenario, we're talking the Sun article comes out, you know, a month ago. And we see what the accusations are and the screenshots and the things that he said to this woman and all this. This comes out. But this same exact scenario happens to Tyler Cameron. First off, how many people immediately believe him off the bat? And secondly, how many people care how he reacts when the paternity test comes back? Basically, it's just showing there's people's inherent biases towards Clayton. And, and why? Because he, he didn't handle himself well during the rose ceremony from hell, something he has clearly owned up to since. Like, what does one even have to do with the other? Maybe he didn't like him on The Bachelor, but has nothing to do with this particular story and how he's acting when he finds out that a false accusation that he has said was false from the very beginning comes to fruition when he gets his paternity test back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's there's so many scenarios that have to play out. So let's assume that he's not lying and he believes that he's vindicated. Now he believes it's a hoax. Uh, if you were if you were caught in a scam and then you believe you have the evidence that you've been vindicated, you would, no one, no one can say how they would react for Gabby Windy on Nick files podcast to say, 
oh, I feel like he handles it wrong. It's such a place of privilege to say that. He, he, he is not a Hollywood darling coming off of his season. He doesn't make as much money as Gabby from the show or influencing. And for no real reason. I mean, it, it, his biggest crime is he was too honest on his season. Um, he wasn't on Dancing with the Stars. He doesn't have all of this, like, Hollywood thing where he just calls up his PR people and they clean up his story. He went about this alone for two months before the story was out there, gaslighted into oblivion, into thinking he was the father. Again, we're assuming that he's, you know, got all the evidence he needs that he's not the dad here. So it's like, which one of us pretends to know how we would react in that circumstance? Most of these people have never been mischaracterized before, but like, that's all Clayton has. You know, his whole business with real estate, it all it, it's all about trust. So his business does not succeed and his life path is altered if people don't trust him. So in vindicating himself, he's restoring his image. And I would hope if, uh, you know, something happened like that to me, that other people would go to my back and try to get the truth out there as well. Like, I have nothing to gain. I don't know Clayton, but, you know, we've, we've just been following all of the information as it comes out. Yeah, and I think it just it, it goes to show you just hate the fickleness or the inherent bias of people because this is, I'm telling you, if this exact story happened to Tyler Cameron, there's no way because we both know when this story first broke, when the Sun article came out, there was one faction of the internet, R-E-D-D-I-T, that absolutely jumped down Clayton's throat, immediately called him guilty, and then all of a sudden they were like, oh, shit, wait, maybe we shouldn't be calling him guilty. You know, that's what I mean. I'm talking about, but if this same thing happened to Tyler Cameron, I'm just telling you, because he is well-liked, because he is the most followed male in all of Bachelor Nation, the reaction would have been totally different. And then the same reaction, if Tyler Cameron would have released a video on Instagram Story on Friday saying, it's Friday, it's a great day, no fetal DNA present, like, nobody would have said, like, oh, Especially, you know, I don't think Gabby would have handled it like the way she did. I don't think she would have said Tyler could have handled it better than that. I just think it's people don't like Clayton for, you know, because he was on a uh, a TV show that they like and they didn't like the way he handled himself and, you know, can't see and can't have any sort of nuanced conversation about everything that Clayton went through on that show. It's just everything is so black and white. Clayton bad. Tyler good. That's the way they function, you know? Yeah, and you know, maybe I'm so far removed that I, I, I almost forget how much people hated Clayton because when I follow him now, it's him doing dance videos and trying to restore his mental health. And it's like the guy's just living in Scottsdale trying to repair his life. And I don't think, you know, people say, oh, he's asking for it. Like so much victim blaming has happened when it's like, look, the guy – if this is a complete hoax and if this is, you know, because, you know, there is that point zero zero one percent chance right now that she pops out a couple twins. But it's like all of the evidence so far has proven that Clayton is telling the truth. And I think that's, you know, what needs to be supported here. But, yeah, the guy has just he has just tried to be honest and do the right thing. And yeah, when you see other people not back him in the Bachelor Nation, you go, all right, well, let's take notes on this because it says a lot that people are so quick to rush to judgment. We we have such an epidemic in the world when it comes to critical thinking and critical reading. And so many people will see an article that's shiny written online and they think there's truth to it. And we just need to do a better job. Like, 
everyone with a critical eye looked at that initial article and, and called bullshit because you could read sentences that said, um, Jane Doe sent us a photo to prove she was pregnant. The journalist didn't say whether or not they believed the photo. Like that omission was so telling to me in the initial comments. And then when Jane Doe sent all of this information to really slander Clayton, you start going, all right, what's the motive here? How does this help the unborn babies? And some of that information included quotes that he said that she pulled out of context. We saw an email from her that redacted the part where he said we only had oral sex. So you start to look at this and you go, why are we lying by omission here? And what do we have to gain from this? And, and, you know, when you get into the, the threats of being sued for defamation, when I responded to Jane Doe, I just said, look, I'm just following the information. Like, why are you uh, uh, omitting certain critical pieces of information here? And when you question that, I think that's a fair thing to question. Like, uh, you know, she'll share a four second clip of a longer conversation, like give people the truth so that they can make an educated opinion. And as we've watched this play out with posting things and then deleting them and then people calling things out. I think this is just a fair case where audiences wanted the truth. They didn't feel like they were getting it from her and she's lost that credibility. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much about this story that is just, you know, head scratching when the story came out, it was sent to me before it was posted uh, uh, or what, it, right when it was posted, it was sent to me by the author of the sun article. And when I read it, I didn't repost it because there were so many things that I was like, this doesn't make sense. And I think one of the things that a lot of people are saying, you have said it on your video, I've said it, is that why did this have to be taken public? She obviously has an answer for everything that you have a question for. She will come up with an answer too. Now, it doesn't have to be an answer you agree with, and pretty much every answer she's given me I don't agree with. But what I'm saying is this didn't have to be done publicly. The second it was done publicly, you – we're allowed to question, wait, what is going on here? Because it didn't make sense. I understand her, you know, I don't even understand, but her answer as to why it was taken public was because, oh, in the state of Arizona, if you get pregnant and you're not with the person, you have to figure out a parental plan. And Clayton was basically denying that he was the father of this child. So I had to force a parental plan on him. It's like, okay, why is he not allowed to deny that he is the father when he has said from the very beginning, I did not have sexual intercourse with this woman. And then you get into the whole logistics of, you know, you've mentioned turkey baster and all that stuff. But, you know, to a rational person, let's be honest here, to a rational person, if an oral, if a blowjob was the only thing that took place here, how is the other party pregnant? It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. And it never did from the very beginning. Can you imagine um, Clayton's memoir, The Blowjob of a Century? <laughs> what a blowjob. Um, yeah, look, I mean. Hope it was worth it. it. Yeah, like when she, it, there's so many ways to look at it. But yeah, the story would have never gotten made without her going to the media. They, they're not randomly looking into Clayton. You know what I mean? Like that's not how journalism works these days. Yeah. And so, but also, why did she let them include tidbits on who she was? They said she's a TEDx speaker with a podcast. I mean, you know, it took me less than three seconds to find out her identity online. And it's like if she truly wanted to remain anonymous, why were those things included? It was, it, You know, I don't have answers to that. I don't think she wants Clayton's money. I don't know what the motivation is. But from all we've seen, you know, people have said, oh, Dave, why do you keep covering the story? And I go, are you kidding me? This is a Netflix documentary in the making. Oh, like yeah. this is – 
beyond. I mean, imagine, you know, we, you know, we report on it and I make 20, 30 minute long videos when this is cleaned up and all the facts are presented and the, he said, then the, she said, then this, and they pull and And once documentarians and historians actually pull up public records, this is going to be fascinating to watch. Oh, uh, it's you, you said it in the beginning and I agreed. This is the biggest story in Bachelor Nation probably since Colton coming out, I think. Or even Colton, actually even the Colton, more so the Colton Cassie story, I think, is just because we're dealing with something that's so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, it's it's salacious, it's titillating, it, it grabs headlines, you know, Colton's was so negative. And this is just, we've just never seen anything like this come up in Bachelor Nation. Like, nobody in Bachelor Nation has faced allegations like this. And it just so happens that it happened to Clayton when a year ago, a little over a year ago, the same exact thing kind of happened to him where he was accused of something that never even happened. So you're just like, man, this is crazy. And it's got so many layers to it because the other party involved just will not stop talking about it. The fact that they are going to so many lengths to email me, to email you, to email The Sun, to email The New York Post, to spend hours upon hours upon hours arguing with people online, immediately right there, that's a red flag about this whole thing. Like, if you are telling the truth, you don't have to speak as much as this woman is speaking. She is just nonstop online talking about this over and over and over again. Yeah, the blowjob was the only three minutes she wasn't talking, apparently. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm giving Clayton a little too much credit. 90 seconds. But either way, like the Colton story was a, a more uh, a quicker resolution. It was like, boom, here's the like it all kind of came out all at once. Yeah. Whereas this has the story arc of a pregnancy. I mean, you know, it's like and that's why as dangerous as it is to speculate on someone's unborn kids. I wanted to, to provide all options as to what might happen, which which is she's either pregnant or she's not. And if she's not, she either faked it or she had a miscarriage. And at this point, it would be a stillbirth. And if it becomes a stillbirth. And again, these are heavy topics. It's like big trigger warning because yes. people struggle real hard with fertility. And that's why it makes it that, that much more egregious that it's almost like playing with the court system and playing with the idea that who would call out someone faking a pregnancy? There's only several examples um, that we have where this has happened before, but it has happened. Um, and if she's not faking it, we will find out and we will make good by her you know, uh, telling the truth and Clayton will get, uh, absolutely destroyed, but that just doesn't seem to be where the evidence is pointed. Yeah. And I've, I've said it, uh, recently that, you know, my opinion is I don't believe her. Um, and I don't believe this story. However, on the small, slim, minute chance that she is pregnant with twins and they are Clayton's, I will absolutely do a 1000% retraction of uh, and apologize to this woman for doubting her. I absolutely will. I have no problem doing that, but I'm allowed yeah, to offer I an opinion right now. And my opinion is I don't believe her. I don't believe any of this. How about you? You and I will show up to her, uh, her uh, baby shower. And, but yeah, I mean, look. I think better yet, we should show up to one of her equestrian events. How about that? We cheer her on from the, from the stands. 
<laughs> oh man. Um, it's not even started you know what's on so that. funny anyone who rides horses go, Oh boy, this is such a horse riding story. People <laughs> that ride horses are crazy. And it's like, I don't know if that's true or not, but um yeah, it's whether whether she's lying or telling the truth, there's somebody here who's very malicious and they will be brought to justice, whether it's through public opinion or the court system. Now, let's assume she's lying or let's 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 go under that assumption that she's lying and Clayton is the innocent one here. Will he sue her? My guess is if I had to bet on it, no. Do I want him to? Yes. Not just, you know, maybe it's one of those cases where you sue her for a dollar, but by putting stuff through the law system, you can unearth documents and discoverables and things like that, because this happened allegedly twice before. And those cases have maybe not been sealed, but they weren't in the public eye. And if they were in the public eye, this might not have happened to Clayton. So it's one of those, like, how do you stop this from happening if it's a trend? Well, I, I, I just I think that there's a part here that, and I brought it up, you brought it up as well, where this, if it ends up being all fake, turns into, well, this is a, it, it, it's definitely a strike against women. And it is a strike against not all women, but what I'm saying is you're looking at something here where it's just like, this doesn't do anybody any good. And when you talk about should Clayton, you know, counter sue, obviously that's something that he needs to deal with and whether or not he does or doesn't. But if she caused damage, if she caused loss of income because of this story and it ended up being fake all along, he absolutely has grounds to counter sue. But what I'm saying is by her doing this, if it ends up being all fake, it's just like that's just going to give people more of a reason in future stories to be hesitant to believe women when Every story is a case-by-case basis. You can't just automatically believe anything. We saw a recent story come up with Trevor Bauer and the and the Los Angeles Dodgers, that whole story where even myself, I immediately said he was guilty in my own head. And then more has finally come out, and you're just like, oh, wait a second. She's sending texts pre-meeting him saying, get it, you know, with her friend, and her friend's telling her to go get that bag. Like, oh, I'm going after his money. Like, okay. You know, it would have been nice to know that two two years ago when the story broke. But what I'm saying is, man, it just doesn't do a lot of women, doesn't help a lot of women when there are stories out here like this that if it ends up being fake, man, that is a really, really just giant death knell to stories that come out in the future and whether or not we immediately jump in and believe or not. It's just like you and I took a wait and see approach. For two weeks, I said, I'm not touching this. Let's find out what the paternity, you know, while I didn't believe it in my head, and behind the scenes, I'm like, I don't believe a, a word of this. I didn't say it until the paternity test came out. And it's just like, okay, pretty much confirm what I thought. But uh, I just hate the fact that the man was dragged through, raked over the coals by a possible fake story here. And that just doesn't bode well for future stories. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I hope my, I'm always optimistic that, that the public will become smarter and like I said, have better critical thinking so that they can believe people in the future. Like, like th- this shouldn't affect people having good judgment. But like, like you said, it just goes to show that in the one out of 10,000 times, somebody is lying and it plays out publicly like this because people get really upset that they feel hoodwinked. 
And people went out of their way to defend her. And, you know, after she got those first shots in on him. And the reason we keep following it is because too many people still don't even know the truth. They go, well, what? Well, Clayton shouldn't have had sex with her then. I mean, you see these bonehead things where you go, listen, that didn't happen. And it's so much harder to get this genie back in the bottle because the initial information was so damning to him. If he wasn't a public figure, he might have just gotten fired from his job. Like he was lucky enough to have a audience that was willing to look into this. And a lot of times people don't have that sort of luxury. Well, Dave, another reason we keep following this story is because she keeps talking about it. (laughs) She has not changed her story since the very first time the Sun article came out. She has not changed anything. She's doubling down on everything. Clayton says this past Friday in an Instagram story that a paternity test that he got back showed little to no fetal DNA present, and she has absolutely destroyed that and said, he's lying, here's why, here's a conversation of me on with a lab guy, here's this, here's that. She won't stop talking about it, so we're going to continue to stop talking. We're going to continue to keep talking about it because... She is still saying, I am pregnant with twins. I am 21 weeks pregnant with twins. Here they are. It's just like, okay, well, when is it going to end? You realize there's an end date to this, which is at the end of, you know, roughly nine months, either two babies need to be produced or there's going to be a, you know, what you said, what, what you had mentioned. There's, there's going to have to be a, oh, a, uh, a, an early end to the pregnancy, you know, because, well, you know, here's another option we haven't considered, which is she gives them up for adoption. That's true. If there are, if there are babies, if there are babies, yes. If, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but that's the best play because it's too late as for her to like have a first trimester, say she had a miscarriage, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's so dirty to even speculate, but it's important to, because, you need to have a timestamp of like, this is what might happen because you can assume in the past, maybe she was able to, or, or somebody would be able to call someone else out and then say, Oh, well, you know, because you were such an asshole, I, I, you know, I lost the babies, which is such a sad, you know, um, I don't know, uh, way, way, way to go about it. But clearly, clearly there's weaponization happening of people's sympathies and that's too bad. You know, well, well, Dave, I can tell you, I can tell you right now, if that's the ultimate outcome of these twins, that's exactly what the story is going to be. It's exactly what it's going to be is that you caused this to happen, you know. So and then at that point, we just turn to, OK, well, then now how do we even know? How do we even know? Because pregnancy sticks. <laughs> anybody can show a pregnancy stick that says, hey, this person's pregnant. Anybody can show that um, you can get it from a friend. You can find one online. You can doctor it, whatever the case may be. All we've seen so far, all we've seen is a pregnancy stick. That's it. So, hey, it, you know, everyone's doubting her. There are a lot. We aren't the only two people online right now that are doubting um, and just questioning this story. So seemingly she's being doubted by a lot of people. It would seemingly be very easy to put a lot of people's doubts to rest by just showing everybody you're pregnant. You know, yeah. yeah, and and like what we've seen, what 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 made Jane Doe attempt or or threaten to sue me was the fact that I shared these documents from um, a previous court case, which she says are private 
and that in the, you know that and if they're private, I shouldn't be sharing them. Well, I don't know if you knew this, but on Tuesday I'm going to be heading to Scottsdale for a baseball tournament, and I I actually am staying in a hotel right near the courthouse, so I will certainly be stopping by to see if these are public documents. Um, well, they are because they are. Someone purchased them online and sent them to me. Like I don't I don't know where well, she's getting this thing. from. Right, but she says that the person who who sent them to you was a guy let's call him gary uh um, oh but he and, didn't and that, i've never spoken well, to gary she, in my life well but she's saying that that he he was the only person able to get them so therefore they're sealed no. so my response to that is i will go in person and if i'm allowed to get them then they are public and then i'll share them uh and that'll be case closed but in the instance that clayton believes this is a hoax and if he does sue her I do believe she would be forced, and I could be wrong. I don't. I don't know if you know this. I'm not a lawyer, but I do believe she would have to produce some sort of blood sample that would show if she was or wasn't pregnant. I do believe you can see that post um, post abortion or post miscarriage. Um, so, you know, you would think that this that science would be able to solve this. But again, as far as I know, on Monday we're going to get uh, information from. Ravgen to find out if if she's pregnant or not and if Clayton is the father or not because of the sample that she said she was putting giving them today yes so today's Thursday right yeah. or no today's Wednesday yeah I so mean today is the day she's sending in the sample and it should be back by Monday okay again I don't understand I you know I've never uh been with anybody who was pregnant uh I don't I I don't have children myself but this whole thing about the paternity tests and the samples that she's given. So the sample that she gave on October 2nd, uh, I guess inconclusive or whatever. And now she's giving the same exact sample and she expects a completely different answer. That's what she's, I guess, hoping for. I guess. Now, look, so Rav, Jen, they're, they're going to, I mean, if I wanted to, you know, do a blood sample, they're going to take my money. Right. So they're just, they're just the business. So, the uh, apparently the initial information that came out was that they could not find fetal DNA. And her argument is, well, search again. And so Clayton makes the Instagram story saying no fetal DNA, not mine, not pregnant. Boom, shakalaka. I'm heating up now. She if she says no, do another test. Why? I'm sure Ravjen is like, OK, fine, we'll do another test, you know, so. Either the first test was wrong, which there's always a possibility, in which case if this comes back that he's the dad, I'm sure our email inboxes will show us that definitive proof if it exists. And then and then we get ready for the uh, baby shower. Uh, but either way, I think it's very fair based on all the information we've seen, which is probably more than most lawyers would look at, that he's telling the truth. I think that's a very fair opinion to have. Yeah, I, I I just don't understand the whole double sample thing. It just isn't making any sense to me because she is still claiming she has fetal DNA inside her, even though Clayton said, I got a call from the lab that said little to no fetal DNA present in the sample. And the lab, as the lab said, and she's saying, well, that doesn't mean I have little to no fetal DNA in my body. I'm just like banging my head against the wall listening to every single excuse in the book that I'm being given. So it's just like anything you say, it does not matter. Anything you say that is against 
what she has presented out there, there is an answer in return. Then it's just like, okay. And that's why I say, just like, I just, you know, my whole thing was two weeks ago, I, after getting two emails from her that went uh, unreturned, I sent her an email back that said, so-and-so, I want absolutely nothing to do with you or anything you sent me. Thank you, Steve. And then that immediately, I mean, that right there, that was, that was my response to her. And then I wasn't talking about it online. And then that response, um, hold on a second. I want to pull it up here. I should have, I should have had it ready to go. Um, that response was met with, uh, let me find it. Mm. Well, um, as you look, I'll say this, the whole idea about little to no fetal DNA it kind of reminds me of Dumb and Dumber when he's like, what about all that one in a million talk? You know, it's, kind of like, it, yeah. it's like, well, in science, they, they, they almost never say never. They're, they're just so they're like, well, there's a high possibility that there's no baby in here, but maybe it's hiding behind one of the you know kidneys or something. Who knows? It seems like she's just playing the semantics game. But I emailed her back. And I said, I want absolutely nothing to do with you or anything you sent me, Steve. That's all I wrote. And then it immediately turned into, so you don't, so you want to take the documents received from an anonymous source purporting to be about me over the undeniable proof that I have sent you. Again, nothing she has sent me is undeniable. So that's what I mean. Every single thing that she says and does is like, we have to take her word for it because she's backing it up with documents and texts and pictures. I'm sorry. I'm allowed to question those documents and texts and pictures as evidence yeah. by your past. Like she and just is, doesn't get it. This is why I think my audience got so upset on my behalf because they're like, Oh my gosh, she's completely taken advantage of you and you're as fair as possible. And it's like, look, I shared her document dump. I shared more of her side of things than anybody's. So it's only fair. Like, like if I'm looking at this judicially, people go, why do you keep entertaining her? Well, because she's got a four minute video of her making her case, I'm going to play it if she wants me to play it. And then when we get the truth, eventually we can look back at these videos and it can actually be used as evidence if it's lying. Because what what we know is she's deleted most of the statements she made on Reddit. Well, guess what? Uh, your boy Looky Lou Dave over here, bottom feeder, barrel scraper Dave. I've got all that in a nice little archive in a playlist on my YouTube channel. And uh, don't forget banned Reddit user too. Banned Reddit Dave. Don't forget about him. <laughs> I mean, why? What has happened that has made me such a bad guy? It's like, you know what I mean? Like, there. Like, I'm not trying to play a victim here, but God forbid you try to get some truth out there, it really can trigger some people. Well, the other thing is, like, I like I said, as we were talking about it, it's just like the reason we're still talking about this is because she has doubled down on everything and she hasn't backed off one single thing. If anything, all she keeps doing is throwing more stories out there and throwing more documents and more sonograms and more recorded phone calls with Ravgen. You know, it's just like, okay, well, if you're going to keep doing this and you're going to keep defending yourself and keep saying that this is what's happening, then we're going to keep talking about it, period. If you want this to go away, never talk about it again, you know? And, now, and you, know, oh, you know, the one thing that you mentioned about the, you know, putting it up, uh, you know, the if, you know, by chance that, um, you know, this comes to fruition and there's twins out there, but they're proven not to be Clayton's. Well, then she did lie because she said in the initial story, I have not had sex since March of 2022. So if you do produce two twins and those two twins aren't Clayton's, then you lied. 
So then why should we believe anything else that you have already said? You know, I think she should name them Steve and Dave, oh, yeah. like, regardless of gender, regardless of gender. Um, look, I mean, here's the deal, right? If, if I was a brand, um, if I worked for um, Nike and I had a hundred thousand dollars and I could, and, and say Clayton has been proven innocent and I could give that hundred thousand dollars to Clayton or Michelle Young, I'm giving it to Michelle Young. He's going to, my point being is he's going to lose money regardless of his innocence. He's already lost money from all I've heard. He's already lost brand deals and it's, it's impossible to know in the future who's going to avoid him because corporations are spineless and they're risk adverse. And because of that, he's going to have a hard time finding people that want to work with him. Um, and I, and that's another reason why I think he should sue because if she comes from money and she's maliciously lying, she needs help. And he's entitled to an easy six-figure payment from this, maybe seven or eight. Well, this is what I mean when I even said it in my podcast. Like, as much as I don't believe anything and I am getting sick of her contacting me and sending me more and more stuff that it just makes me believe her less and less, I do think that there is something wrong here and I definitely think she needs help. And I think she should go get help because, uh, like I mentioned in one of my podcasts this week, Either she's the unluckiest human on the face of the earth having all these things happen to her or she's a compulsive liar and that needs to be handled. And compulsive liars probably shouldn't be hosting mental health podcasts. That's just my opinion. So I it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But Dave, you mentioned on Monday she's supposed to be getting the results of this sample back. Do you honestly think if the sample comes back and says the same thing, which we all expected to do, she's going to be like, oh. Yep, my gig is up. I I was never, you know, just of course, there's going to be something new that comes out after she gets her next uh sta- statement back from the lab, you know. We just know it's coming. She's not going to give up. She hasn't given up in 5 months. What makes me think? I, I truly Yeah, I truly don't know. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you want to look at it, it, you know, if she's lying and she needs help, it's kind of like that moment where you had Zach Clark from Tasha's season where he talks about how the banker called his dad and got him in trouble when he was trying to, you know, cash fake checks because of his addiction, you know, in some weird twisted related way, she needs like, this has reached a critical mass where if this is something she does because of an issue she's got, she needs help. And in the end, I hope she gets it. But likewise, the reason why I've never shared her name is because I'm more concerned with Clayton's um, uh, innocence and him overcoming this, then I am concerned about, uh, you know, cause I've had people try to say her name on my comment section and I always delete it. I, I don't care so much about punishing her so much as I care about him getting to his, to a truth here, because for whatever reason in the cards, he has been hit with several of these lies. And it's like, some people say, well, he must be asking for it. It's like, what are you talking about? It's probably just bad luck. It's probably a, a, a weird coincidence, but Unlike some, you know, he's a target in the sense that he's a real estate agent. So his information's out there. If someone's interested in him, they can always come to an open house and they can woo him. Like, no, like they're not going to have that access to Jason Tartik the way they have to him. And maybe that's why he's a target. Who knows? But it's like people have to remember he's the victim here if if this all plays out in the direction where it's a hoax. And. We know that this is not going to die down anytime soon, um, regardless of what happens on Monday, because she is still uh, claiming that, hey, look at me, I'm pregnant. So um, this is going to continue. 
And whatever happens on Monday, especially when it's going to come back pretty much saying the same exact thing as this one this time around, then we're just going to continue to talk about this. And it's it's a fascinating, fascinating story. And like you said from the very beginning, this is straight out of Netflix documentary for sure. Yeah, and it's the last thing I like. Yeah, it's salacious and everything, but I, I, you know, I try to make fun YouTube videos, but I can't ignore these stories either. Like, I can't have the fun ones. Sometimes you just have a real tragic story. The the one um, issue I have is how the Bachelor subreddit has banned conversation about this after they let all of the information, which was very damaging to him, and it just goes to show. If you're going to report on the initial stuff, you have to follow through with the whole story. Like if people leave comments, say, Dave, we're done hearing about it. It's like, well, very clearly the thumbnails and titles tell you what we're talking about. It's a story we're going to follow until it's resolved in court or whatever, you know. And I think that's fair. It's a story that only became public because of her. And that, that this is just, you know you know, fucking around and finding out. And the same people that posted the initial story who immediately uh, were the ones who immediately crucified Clayton and immediately called him guilty. And it was, I can't believe he did this. What an idiot. What a loser. And then it's like, oh, wait a second. Maybe we should actually hear both sides to the story and not immediately automatically believe one side, you know? Now, and again, this is just a side. People always, people always complain when they don't understand why, there's such like uh, a silent war happening between like Reddit moderators and this, but I, I don't know if you know this. I know like, just like people tried to cancel you when you had that pageant show you were judging. Yeah. I know for a fact that the Reddit moderators, at least one of them went to other subreddits to have me banned across different, uh, um, different subreddits. Like they're like, I don't know who I pissed off so much that, not only were they trying to ban me again, I have this information that there were multiple duplicate accounts created or at least used to um, to make it seem like there was a bigger grassroots effort to get me removed. Me, some random person who's contributed in these communities for years is too much in these in these um, chat rooms. And now that they're silencing some of the conversations, it's like, look, in the end, this is why people aren't going to believe Clayton because they never got a chance to hear what actually went down. Well, you're also being targeted because you're not part of their echo chamber of negativity and their cesspool of garbage. You don't want to, you don't want to actually add to that. You want to provide a nuanced conversation about things. And there's no such thing as a nuanced conversation on Reddit. There just isn't. Well, you know, and I've said this before and I'm, and I'm, I'm happy to admit when I'm wrong, but I, I've said this to you and I've said it publicly that I regret covering the Joel Coleman case because the only people that vetted that story were Reddit moderators. And while I, at the time, was naive enough to trust them, now I don't know. I, there's, you know, with journalism, as shoddy as it is out there, if, um, you know, if Hoda Kotb wants to interview someone, we know it's Hoda Kotb. She has to maintain some form of credibility. You know who it is. Uh, these faceless people that are out there that that have other people's characters in the palm of their hands is dangerous. If people have an issue with what you say, 
they can hit you up personally. Same with me. They can look at where I'm performing stand-up. They can come to a show. They can heckle me all they want, but they can do it in person. And with these with these anonymous people out there, it's just dangerous that they can create multiple accounts to try to silence people like me. It's like, why, like, why am I the story here? You know what I mean? Well, I have said this for years when it comes to Reddit, and I've and I'll stand by it. If Reddit said the only way that you can post on our board is if you include your full name, is your screen name is either your full name or your screen name is attached to your Instagram account, they would have five subscribers. The whole that's what's so ironic about Reddit is that their whole life revolves around attacking other people anonymously. But if they had to show who they were and we could click on their Instagram account and look through their pictures and look at them personally, they don't want that. That's why they do what they do, because they want to be able to attack anonymously. Yet the reason that they don't post their name or they don't post their Instagram account to their Reddit handle is because they don't want to be judged. Yet all they do is judge all day long. Yeah, and I and I tr- I truly believe this to, to give I can I can give as much grace as possible. I truly believe people don't know what it's like when they say mean things anonymously unless they've been called out publicly. I truly don't think people who might have a job working, you know, the cashier at, at you know Ralph's, they don't understand what it's like because they get to just fart in the elevator and walk off and nobody knows who it is. And that's just how we work in society. And that's why the Internet needs to be held accountable. Again, I have no plans on finding out who people are, but I love the stories of influencers who do that because you see how quickly people cower and and act decently. Like I've never 10 years, 11 years of doing stand up. I've never had someone speak to me in person. And again, I've never gotten in a fight physically with anybody. So I am not a threat to anybody, but I've never had anybody speak to me like, like the way they do online. And it's just uh, because they can, it's because you can. And I don't think, I don't think that should be free speech. I don't think that's fair free speech. If that's just one sided, it's like, uh, you know, it's like jumping somebody in the dark. Like who's even, who's even trying to cancel me. I don't even know who it is. But surely I've told them this. I said, I will do. And again, this is to the Redditors that hate me. I've said, I'll do one of those clubhouse style conversations with you guys. I'll answer all of your questions. It's never enough for them. Well, yeah, that's not probably not going to accomplish anything. But the other reason they can't, like you say, they they do it because they can. They also do it because there's zero repercussions. What's going to happen to them? You know, they're coming from a very powerful side where everyone on that board is against you. So you have no power against them, unfortunately, because anything you say or do is just going to be dismissed and there's something going to find something. But that whole point of, look, I can say this behind an anonymous screen and outside of a like death threat or a you know, saying you're going to do something and physically harm somebody. Most people can say whatever they want on the Internet and zero repercussions. You know, Instagram can only control so much. Twitter X can only control so much. They can't just shut down every single account that has something threatening in it. They, do, they don't have the time of the day considering how many people are on Twitter and Instagram. And that's what sucks. That's what should be the penalty for anybody that goes after somebody maliciously online and not just saying like you're ugly. I mean, yeah, we want that outlawed and we want that out of social media, but it's just going to be possible 
impossible to police something like that. But I, you know, if, if you give a threat or you send somebody a death threat or you do some sort of public threat about something, it, it should be, you lose your access to social media for five years, but I just don't know how you police that. You <laughs> but, know, you know, I relate it to, um, I don't know if you, if you've ever seen this, but for bicyclists specifically like road bicyclists, like people who do it for a sport and wear the padded underwear and all that, yeah. they're generally assholes and joggers are generally nice. And the way I look at it is if you're stuck in traffic in a car, you'll see like a bicyclist, like slap your car as they bike by you. Like you can't catch up to them, but a jogger has this threat of, I don't know, being treated like a human. So they are a little bit more polite. And the same thing goes for, you know, like I used to have a convertible. You can't talk shit while you're driving with the top down because someone can slap you. Like it's just, you know, it's, 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 that's when I stand up comedy is the most um, judicially honest place in the world. If a guy wants to get drunk and heckle me in the audience, I'm going to roast him. The audience is going to be on my side and he's not going to get laid that night because his girlfriend's going to be embarrassed. And that is, that's just how the world worked until the internet existed. So yeah, I, you know, I made my video, um, you know, clapping back at people and some people say, Oh Dave, why do you give them attention? And it's like, well, I guess it's the same reason I've been so hard on this Clayton story because there's a judicial, there's like a justice aspect to it. It's uh, if something's not fair. You just want to call it out. Yeah. And you know, let's, let's end this, uh, talk on, uh, you know, more positive notes, some things that you've brought up recently on your YouTube channel and even driving with Dave. First off, Katie Thurston going to be on F boy Island starting on Monday. I know you covered it. You, she spoke, she even gave out, uh, it during an interview, she talked about maybe having some, I don't know, some rekindling feelings when she uh, went down. And we know she goes down to paradise this year, not to compete, as a contestant, she just goes down there to hand out a date card, but obviously she has to confront her ex-fiance, Blake Moines. You did a video on this. Kind of your thoughts on the whole Katie, Blake, and then Katie on uh, FBoy Island. Well, you know what's so funny? It was almost an afterthought, and it probably should have been the lead of my video, but she dismissed Michael in that same conversation. She said, you know, I actually used to like Michael, but not really anymore, and then we find out she unfollowed him after the Danielle breakup. So I thought that was really interesting and telling to think of where she might stand with that. But yeah, look, look, she was engaged to Blake. Clearly, they had chemistry. Uh, you know, we've all been in relationships where we look back fondly. I'm like, oh man, the sex was good, but it didn't work out for a certain reason. So my guess is they had a very good physical attraction, but it just didn't play out in the real world. And, and I think what we're going to see is that Katie and Blake have a lot of respect for each other in part because of the way he handled getting dumped because she did the dumping and he took the high road, but a lot, and, you know, a lot of people don't, a lot of people want to get the last word in. And because they had the healthy amount of time apart, I think they. I think what we're going to see is them come back together and just like respect what they had. Well, in one of the interviews that I saw Blake do, he said, "Look, her and I have not, you know, in talking about Bachelor in Paradise, because everyone knows she's going to go down there and they're going to have a talk." But he said, "Look, we have not spoken since the day we broke up over Facetime. We've not spoken about it." She's done interviews because, you know, the whole thing about a month later, she moved on with John and then Blake, 
said a couple things where he felt like she emotionally cheated. He said, I don't think she physically cheated on me, but I do believe she emotionally cheated. But that's what he, he was saying publicly. He never said this to her face, and she has only commented uh, and and done interviews not about Blake or not talking with Blake. So this meeting that they have down in paradise when we finally see it air is the first time these two are actually seeing and talking to each other since the day they broke up and said uh, on FaceTime, he was, I believe in Canada at the time and she was in San Diego and they decided to, to end things. And so, yeah, it's going to be an interesting conversation. I would think for anybody who was remotely interested in their um, engagement. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for having, you know, met them personally uh, I'm actually supposed to see Blake. He hasn't gotten approved to do driving with Dave. They, they're literally ghosting anyone I try to get for driving. I, I know you know how it is. The producers don't like to play fair, but he's asked multiple times. But I'm supposed to see him next month. And um, I'm just happy that he uh, is generally well-liked because he does seem like a really, really good guy. He's, I mean, he's hooking up on Bathroom Paradise with my favorite, Jess. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you get, you get that glitter, man. Get on it. And um, I don't who knows what happens, but I think it's I think it's good for both of them to just have those conversations, you know, as they move on. Uh, what what will happen of Katie during FY Island? We'll have to see. I know. I mean, it's just a good deal for her. It's a good show for her to go on. I don't expect it to be crazy numbers, but I think it will have good word of mouth. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's important, but I just don't see, I don't see the CW really caring to push it. And there's so many good shows that don't do well because the networks don't really put that much weight behind them. I know Katie's had to like do the bulk of her own press for this. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, yeah tell me about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's, you know, what's interesting about, you know, F boy Island is, you know, that they, they went from HBO max. Now they're on CW and it, it succeeded on HBO Max, I thought, because they were allowed to curse. And Nikki Glaser was basically doing part of her stand-up while she was, like, introducing dates and talking to the guys. And that's what made it funny and the cursing. You're not going to get that on CW. So I'm really interested to see how it looks and how it comes across on CW. And for those that don't know, F-Girl Island was filmed right after F-Boy Island. They took, like, a week off. And then they filmed F Girl Island, where they have three male leads, and that's going to air, I would believe, in beginning of 2024. So that's coming as well for people that didn't know. But yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. And you know, I think for people that like Katie and are watching Katie and have followed her journey, are interested to see, hey, did she come out of this with a guy? Is she seeing somebody post show? I guess we're gonna, you know, find that out. Uh, what happened with her at the end of this thing? Oh man, I get all the inside. I'm going to go to the uh, premiere on Monday. So I'm going to have all of the insider information. Um, <laughs> and if I could push my podcast bachelor rush hour, yeah. what I've noticed is when I say things on the YouTube channel, it's a lot easier for people to clip what I'm saying and like, you know, run with things because normally a YouTube video has a very specific title. So, um, what I'm, what I'm loving about the podcast is I'm, I think I'm able to cover more stories because it's not like so focused on one in-depth story. So I'll be covering uh, every afternoon, but specifically uh, what's going on with the Clayton case and all these other stories. I'll be covering them on the podcast Bachelor Rush Hour if anyone wants to uh, entertain me over there. Yeah, Bachelor Rush Hour. And guess what, everybody? It's free. You don't have to pay for Bachelor Rush Hour. How about that? You know, just free yeah. podcast. Just listen to it. Not that hard. 
free donuts, folks. Who wants them? And My final- lady needs a new vacation. Fi- <laughs> oh, that's going to piss. Uh, that, that'll that'll get at least one or two comments coming your way. No. Um, oh, and finally, uh, just real quick thoughts of what you've what you've seen, and I don't know, just the the response and the reaction to Golden Bachelor. I know you've watched it. Um, your thoughts. Well, I, I go by my wife's gay, um, gauge, whether or not she, you know, pulls out her phone and starts scrolling. And we were both crying within the first minute. I don't, I don't know. Look, I mean, I don't have, I never had a grandparent, you know, my, my mom's dad was an alcoholic. He's still alive. Everyone else dead. I've never had this close connection. So watching his story play out is an instant win. And for the people that have like tried to slander him or kick him, it's like cherish this guy. He's, he's like such a diamond in the rough and I absolutely love it so far. And you know, it's crazy. Like I, we had no idea in terms of what number something like this would draw. Like what's the audience or, or 18 to 54 women. And is that demo going to be watching a 72 year old man date? We knew the older crowd would watch it, but how much of the older crowd is, um, part of Bachelor Nation because it seems like their demo is 18 to 54 women. And then to see that it draw, it drew 4.3 million viewers on the first episode and only went down to 4.125 in the second episode. Like it's got staying power. I think there's, I think there's two things behind it. Number one, it's only an hour. And number two, it's definitely airing before Bachelor in Paradise because as we've seen, Bachelor in Paradise isn't holding the Golden Bachelor audience. In fact, the Bachelor in Paradise is getting half of the Golden Bachelor audience, which is something that I think next year, I think they made a mistake putting it in a three-hour block. And I think next year, assuming they do another Golden Bachelor or if they're going to go the Golden um, Bachelorette route, I think that's going to get its own hour show on its own night. And I think Bachelor in Paradise needs to go back to its Monday night or just a Tuesday night where it's two hours by itself. I think the three hours is too long for a lot of people and it not being on bachelor Monday, which bachelor nation just seems to know is their night of the week to watch their programming. I think that's hurt because they cannot be happy with bachelor in paradise drawing 2 million viewers a week. It just, there's no way. Now, if bachelor in paradise was on from eight to 10 Eastern time, and then they put the golden bachelor after it, would the Golden Bachelor have been getting 4.3? No. It's airing first. That definitely helps. It's an hour. That definitely helps. But uh, they can't be happy with two, 2 million viewers for Bachelor in Paradise. So I think they're going to go back to having it by its, you know, airing it on its own on whatever night they choose. Yeah. It's just like you said, when it comes to like movies, it's all about how, how a movie does in the box office the second week because anyone can put together a good trailer, but good word of mouth will kind of increase that exponentially as we saw with like the staying power of Barbie and things like that. I mean, the batch, uh, golden bachelor, they re aired it. I don't know if they normally do this, but they re aired it. I think after dancing with the stars. Yeah. So I think they think they, it has enough critical mass for them to go. Okay. Yeah. Let's put our force behind this. This has staying power. Now it's so dependent on a good lead. They've kind of been holding on to this lead for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, if I, if I were the bachelor producers, I would triple whatever funds I have to find the next Gary Turner. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that you know he's he's been really interesting to watch. He's got a great backstory. The women have a great backstory. It's just while it's the same format, it's just such a different show than Bachelor and Bachelorette because 
at least through two episodes, they haven't focused on any of the cattiness, and it doesn't seem like these women are going to be at each other's throats. They all seem to to like each other. So that's why I say it's just it's just different, and it's you know it's doing really well. It barely dropped to you know from first episode to the second episode, so that's good for them. It just it's a hit, and the fact that it drew four and a half million viewers almost in the first episode, and it's been the highest premiere of any Bachelor, Bachelorette, or Bachelor in Paradise show since Matt James' season, they'd be stupid not to bring it back, uh, whether it's Golden Bachelor or Golden Bachelorette. So, yeah, I, I don't think this is going anywhere. Yeah the, yeah, the way I look at it, like Bachelor in Paradise and The Young Bachelor, that's really like, that's really like, um you know, sugar. That's like a dessert. And this is like a Thanksgiving dinner. Like there's much more substance to hearing these stories of love and loss and all of that so i think i think they they completely miss uh or un, um uh they they miss um understood what their audience was looking for and you know and, i mean maybe you don't want the golden bachelor seven seasons in a row maybe it's something they bring back once a year or once every other who knows but i think i think they need to find find a way to just continue finding dynamic people that can deliver well, Dave, thanks so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Go check him out on Driving with Dave series on YouTube. He also has the Bachelor Rush Hour podcast. Uh, you've got three to four videos you post a day. Uh, thanks for you know coming on, always being available to come on and and talk shop. Obviously, we're uh, we're certainly the amount of voice memos that you and I have sent to each other over this Clayton uh, story. <laughs> I think is wearing out our phones at this point, but. Uh, it's always good to share stuff with you and now can actually bring it uh, to online for people to actually hear the stuff that we talk about. So thanks again, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll certainly be in touch. Thanks, pal. Anytime. You know where to find me. You got it. Thank you so much today for coming on. Really appreciate that. As I said at the end there, the amount of voice memos him and I send to each other on a daily basis, uh, I, I just I don't send that. I don't think I send it to... I send voice memos to about, I think there's about six or seven people in my life that I voice memo more so than text. Dave is one of them, but he's probably at the top of the leaderboard right now. I can't think of anybody else. I definitely, there's definitely a few in Bachelor Nation that I send uh, voice memos to a lot, but Dave has in the last probably nine to 12 months has overtaken anybody in my life and uh, just a good guy all around. And um, I, the reason why, um, I, I like Dave so much is because number one, I think him and I come from similar places in terms of how we have built our audience and how we have built our following. We were not handmade an audience because we went on a reality show. We had to build it from the ground up. Mine started all the way back in 2003 when I sent out an email to three of my friends commenting about Joe Millionaire and they thought it was funny. And then it got passed around and here we are in 2023 and I've built the audience that I have and I'm appreciative of my audience and the ones that stick by me uh, through thick and thin and Dave same way. And I, I just, I love his content. I love that he puts um, a lot of thought into his work. Like I do. I don't just like fly off the handle and say things that I don't haven't thought about before or haven't thought about five times the day before. So before I record my daily roundup, like I put thought into things and I want to have nuanced conversations about certain topics versus just everything being so black and white, which is kind of how most of bachelor nation looks at things. Just everything is so black and white and you can't have any sort of conversation. And the Clayton thing is a perfect example. As I brought up in the podcast, if everything in this Clayton story 
was the same exact thing, but the person involved in question was Tyler Cameron, it would have been publicly received totally differently. Everyone would have believed Tyler from the get-go, and everybody would have said, oh, that's hilarious how he reacted to finding out his paternity test results. But because it's Clayton and people just have an inherent bias that they don't like the guy because he had a bad rose ceremony at the final three of his season, it's just like, I'm sorry. I'm able to separate the two. And I have no problem. I mean, Clayton did have I, – I, I wasn't able to say, no, he handled himself great. Clayton will be the first to tell you he fucked up on his season. And he has said that. He owned his mistakes. It has nothing to do with this story. And from the second this, t- this story came out, I didn't believe a word of it from that other side. It never made sense to me. There's so many things. There's so many holes in this story. And the deeper and deeper we get, the more holes there are. Yet this person on the opposite end, this woman, is doubling and tripling and quadrupling down on everything. And it's just it's going to come to a head fairly soon because, I mean, you either have to deliver two babies in February or there is no two babies. So. One of those two is happening. Anyway, thanks again to Dave for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for all listening and following me. Please follow on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review. Sports Daily uh, was posted about an hour ago. My Daily Roundup was posted a couple hours ago talking about Survivor from last night and, you know, talking about Big Brother tonight. Um, So go check that out if you shall, please. So thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. And I will talk to you tomorrow. See you.